0: This is a Media 8 production. This podcast may have explicit themes and swearing and may not be suitable for children.
1: Well, I was on the phones, commission only, selling stuff. You know, programs, Tony Robbins, programs are different. Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, all these different things, right? They were bringing them out and I was on the phone selling them, you know, ripping out a page in the Y pages, ripping out and going, great, you're in column U today. <laughs> it's like, shit, how am I going to do this? Look, and I, and I was horrible at the beginning. And for three months, I made zero sales. Now, when you're on commission only and you make zero sales, that's that's not good. The world is full of amazing people, and once a
0: week, I get the opportunity to interview one of them. My name is Brett McCallum, and this is Awesome Human. Besides jet-setting around the world or being an awesome role model for his kids, Michael Lane is one of Australia's most successful businessmen and leading entrepreneurs, with his individual approach to the industry. Attaining over 1 billion, yeah, that's right, 1 billion in sales through his nine businesses alone, Michael runs over 1,200 events in the past 15 years and seems to be getting more successful each year. Insane staff. One of his major triumphs to date has been Success Resources, the world's largest education seminar company. Its impact has been so huge worldwide that it's even listed upon the Australian Stock Exchange. Some insanely talented people have utilised Success Resources. The next event, is hosting one of my favourites, Sir Richard Branson, that's on in a couple of weeks up here in Queensland. Some of his many other companies, including touring musicians, CEO of a renowned performance artist, Matteo Charles, and chairman of Top Talent Proprietary Limited. With his go-getter attitudes and years of experience, today's podcast is going to be a good one. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Brad. How are you doing?
1: Very well, thank you. Mate, welcome to the Gold Coast. Oh, mate, it's great to be back.
0: The, the sunny Gold Coast.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> love it here. I was actually, I lived here for about... Five, six years when I was a a young tacker, so uh, some familiar territory, yeah.
0: Oh, nice, mate. Well, that that sort of gets us to the start of Awesome Humans is what's your first ever memory? How far back can you go?
1: Oh, wow. You know what? This is going to be interesting. I drove past here today and one of my earliest thoughts or memories was there was a surf life-saving tower
0: Okay. Here in Burley, yeah,
1: probably thirty plus years ago, and I remember being in my car, and Mum and Dad driving past, and I remember seeing this thing. I remember there was all these kids and surfers up there, and and all this kind of stuff. So that was one of my earliest memories, and it happens to be about three minutes around the corner from here. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it just triggered it. It triggered it this morning, <laughs> and I and I went back and thought, I must have been four or five, I reckon. It's amazing when you think how far you can
0: actually go back. Like some of yeah. the responses we get to that question is usually, "Oh, that stumps me," or "Oh, that's like wow." And then as you go through the process of sort of talking about your life, you start to remember all these things. But I always sort of find that it's either a photo or something like that. So the fact that you drove past
1: it and it triggered you—that's yeah, pretty awesome, isn't it? Something about it this morning. Just remembering going, "Wow, when was that?" And I think it's back... not there anymore, is it? No, it's not there. Yeah, okay. Um, but I remember I used to always drive past and see it, and I, I couldn't have been more than five.
0: Oh wow, yeah, that's awesome. So, mate, where were you
1: born? I was born in Gosford, so north of uh, Sydney. Um, I grew up at the
0: entrance. Oh, really? I'm a coasty boy as well. There you go, some (laughs) coasty boys.
1: So, yeah, look, six months later, my parents moved to the Gold Coast. Okay. And, uh, yeah, my first sort of real six, seven, eight years were in this part of the world.
0: Oh, wow. So you went to primary school up here? I did. Which school was that?
1: Uh, I think it was Marymount. Marymount? yeah. Yeah, I think that's... You remember that at all? A little bit, a little bit. I had a couple of good mates. I remember mucking around, causing trouble, and um, yeah, it's going back a while now. But so,
0: were you a good kid?
1: Um, a naughty kid, or were you like... No, just, I was. I was a good kid. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, Is that because you were parented that way?
1: Um, I don't know. Look, for me, you know, you're a reflection of your parents' values, mm-hmm. and my parents are really good people, and. And I knew when I was crossing the bad boundaries and crossing over that, so I never tried to cross over too much. (laughs) However, back when I was about 13, 14, I started to get off the rails. Okay. And I was back in Sydney. So I was – So you left up here about – I was uh, probably nine. Year four, year five, something like that. Okay. And I was a good boy. Everything was great and loved it. Played rugby. um, And I hated the move to Sydney because I left my mates. Yeah. Where
0: would you move to in Sydney?
1: uh, We moved to Lane Cove. Okay. So that's part of the world. Well, not too bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. went to a, a primary school there, met some new mates, got over all the all the other stuff. But um,
0: it's funny how you're devastated because you're leaving your mates, and then about three weeks later, you got a whole pile of new mates.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're like, who, who are those Kids friends are da- again? <laughs> <laughs> we're fickle like that. Kids aren't we? adapt,
0: don't they? Though we do. That, that, that's a good thing about that. So we're at Lane Cove, and we're at, Lane, at the primary school there at Lane Cove. Ooh. Yeah, it
1: was actually um, West Pimble. And I, and what I find fascinating was the abbreviation was OLPS. Our Lady of Perpetual Suckers, (laughs) no no joke, if you listen to this, this is no joke, O-L-P-S in West Pimble right near Lane Cove and that's the school, primary school I went to to finish my primary And that was the actual name? That was the name. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. I'm not joking, Google it. Is it still? still? It's still there. There you go. I'm pretty sure it's still there. But, um, (laughs) yeah, that was the the move to Sydney. So when you, you know, in this day and age you'd probably text your friends and go, oh, i have moved – I've moved to this school and they would probably, they'd probably take the piss. But, no, that was it and uh, that was the move back to Sydney. And then you went uh which high school? Okay, so I went to St Leo's at Warunga mm-hmm. up near Hornsby in Sydney.
0: Why was that? Was that somewhere you chose or no, your
1: parents drove. No, the majority of my friends from primary school were going there.
0: Oh, okay. So I said
1: to the parents, which it was like in the morning, it was two buses, a train, and a very long walk. Wow. But I wanted to be with my mates. Yeah. So that was a, a, an early trait for me was I just love being around my mates. So the problem is some of my mates turned a bit uh, into a wild guys. Yeah. And I started to get off the rails. And my parents, whether they really identified this or not, um, I changed schools. What do you mean schools. by off the rails? Oh, look, I was wagging school, yep. going and starting to do silly shit and and stuff you shouldn't do as a 13 year old. My
0: two buses a train and a long walk is a lot of time you can get yourself in trouble.
1: It is, there's a lot of distractions <laughs> exactly. and time and time to think about things. So yeah. then I um got put into a boarding school in Sydney. Okay. Um which again I went kicking and screaming because I lost all my mates. Which boarding school was that? St Joseph's College at okay. Hunters Hill. Yep. Um another rugby school and best thing that ever happened to me. Really? Yeah, loved it. Living with my mates playing footy every afternoon, yeah. breakfast, lunch and dinner together. Uh, it was like if you're a third, a fourteen, fifteen year old, then it's like having a sleepover every night with your mates. Wow! So loved it. That was kind of. Uh, Did you get sick of it? No. Oh look, the first two nights I cried myself to sleep, thinking, yeah, "What course. the hell's going on here?" The parents don't. What are they, doing they Don't to love me, me anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then uh, fast forward a couple of months, I was like, "Hold up, I've got some new mates here, and we're all playing footy every afternoon in the background." And and, and look, it was it was a great time, great fun, and I. Uh, I've so did you just study? Friends. Were
0: you a bit of a nerd or at the no, time, or no, you were horrible just a horrible
1: student? Yeah, horrible student, average footballer, um, but you had a lot of fun. A lot of fun, <laughs> and again, the entrepreneurial journey started for me back in those days. And I, 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 it was a it was a very it cost a lot of money to go to that school. Yeah, of course. And my parents didn't have that kind of money. Okay. So my my father, I probably get some of my deal makings from my father. He. Knew someone there who convinced someone to give me a start, and I think they went on a payment plan. They might have still be playing the payment plan. I don't mm-hmm. know, but um, it was great to hang around people who, you know, their family's money was not a not a problem. Yeah, they they didn't have money problems. And they the type
0: of people don't actually even talk about money because it's they not don't. even an issue.
1: No, they don't. <laughs> but you know, it's always fun when they say, "Hey, we're going away for the weekend. We'll get in a private jet." That's my dad's, and then we'll stay at another friend's house up in the, on the Gold Coast. <laughs> Do and you want to come? And we'll call that a weekend. And I'm like, I'm used to driving back to Lane Cove for the weekend. So, um, yeah, it was interesting growing up around people who had a lot of money, but it was the norm for them. Yeah. And it wasn't for me.
0: And how did you handle that? Was there jealousy there? Or was no, there just like you were like, oh, fuck, they're just good blokes?
1: Nah, good blokes. Um, I loved it, and, and I thrived on it. I, I was always kind of around there. Asking the friends, old man, hey, how did you actually pull, pull all this off? Okay. How come you've got that house there and that jet we went in? Where, where does that come from? How does that work? And so, they would love that. They did. Because they
0: did. obviously, a lot of those people, their kids aren't actually entrepreneurial. Like Correct. I know my kids aren't entrepreneurial. Yeah. Uh, one of them is, but the other three aren't. And, yep. um, like I love the fact when some of their mates come on, and go, "Oh, well, what do you do, and yeah. why? Why do you do that, and how's yeah. that work?" And then the whole sort of they're really into it because that's what they do. Right? That's the way their brain works.
1: That's it. So we're all built a little bit differently, like that. Yeah. Right? And and um, that was great. It was to be around some people who you know made a lot of money, and, and even a lot of people who made some money, lost some money, then made it back again, and mm-hmm. some of the journey there, and saying, "Hey, it's not going to be easy." Yeah. Um. So I learned a lot from about 15 to 18 being around those kind of people and their families and holidaying.
0: Did you know um, what you wanted to do
1: at that stage in your life? No idea. All I knew is I wanted to have some cool stuff.
0: Okay. So it was a, an object thing or one of the things.
1: I, I didn't really know much. I, you know, I would, couldn't have told you what entrepreneurship was. Yeah. I couldn't have told you any of that. I but, couldn't
0: tell you until I was about 35. <laughs>
1: yeah. But look, um, I just knew that some people had some really cool stuff and other people didn't. Mm-hmm and I'm like I want to know how they got that and I want to have that in my life one day whether it's the car it was all the ego stuff to be honest yeah. it was the the fast cars and all that kind of glitz and glamour and I made a decision in a, at about 14 15 that that's what I wanted mm-hmm. I had no idea how I was going to get it and um yeah
0: so you finish year 12 at at the school and then do you go to uni
1: no didn't get the grades to go to uni okay um which Maybe was no. Yeah, which was a blessing.
0: Indeed. Best thing uh, that ever happened to absol- me. <laughs> absolutely. But
1: again, all my mates went to uni. Okay. So as this pattern was a forming again, I was like, shit, I'm losing my mates again. And mm-hmm. you know, you don't lose them, but when they're, you know, when you've got to work yeah. and bring in money, and usually that's a, you know, clearing tables, pulling beers on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. Yep. And they're all out mm-hmm. living the living the life. But, you know, I look back now and- it was definitely the best thing I did. I, I, I'm i not the academic. No. I mean, I love learning. Mm-hmm. I love developing myself, but you can't give me a textbook and tell me to do that and then give me an essay. I, I, I'm i just not built.
0: So now you've obviously got um, two little girls.
1: I've got a little boy and a little, little girl. boy.
0: And, little girl. and what, what, what do you say to them when they're 14, 15? Do you say study hard? Because I've, I've got a 16, a 15, a 12 and 10. Yep. Two girls, two boys. And I sit there and go, look, I don't really care whether you go well or not at school as long yeah. as you're a nice human, right? That's, that's all down to me. Kindness wins, gratitude to other people. But the whole thing is they're, they're bright, so they actually go well at school. Yep. And it's like, well done, like, congratulations. I don't, like, seriously don't care what grades you get because mm. if you want to do that in life, go and do it. Yeah. Like, to me, it doesn't really matter. What you, with your journey, mm-hmm. like at school, obviously you weren't a scholar, no. Um, but you saw others that weren't scholars that made a lot of money. Yes. Do you then push that into your kids? Do you then see what they want to do? How do you how do you handle that?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I'm going through it right now with my son. So there's a there's quite an age gap. My son's almost eight, mm-hmm. and my daughter's um, almost twenty months. Okay. So there's a bit of a gap there. Um my son is just like me. Is he? So at the age of five <laughs> and or you six. You don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Yet? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> it's good and bad because yeah. I know he's in for a long, tough journey. Yeah. Right? Um, I can already tell my daughter is an academic. Okay. She goes and gets the book out of the cupboard yeah. every single morning, night, and we've got to read. We've got to do all this. My son hated reading from the get-go. <laughs> um, He now loves the fast cars, loves all that. On He'll sit on YouTube and watch people review cars and Lamborghinis and all. Wow. That. So he's got some of that trait in him. Mm-hmm. He's not an academic. We already have identified and realized that now. Yep. And me and my wife are cool. We, we understand that. She was very academic but, mm-hmm. but still entrepreneurial. Yes. Which is a rare. Very rare. rare. I'm not. And at first she struggled with the fact that my son Chase was like, oh, he doesn't like to learn that much. I'm like, everything's fine. Every, the way he unfolds is the way he mm-hmm. unfolds. So um, we've kind of got one of each, I think, right now. Mm-hmm. And, look, we'll see what happens.
0: Uh, I think it's a really good attitude to have towards because the thing is you, you're not them. Mm. And like my 10-year-old my son, he's my most intelligent child because he knows exactly which buttons to push on his mother <laughs> to then leave the room and everyone else gets in trouble. And it's yeah, one of those right. things you don't know whether to be really proud of him or you want to slap him across the head. <laughs> but it, it, they're, they're the same. They're all different people. They're all different kids. They all do different things. So I think it's definitely the best way to, uh, mm. to move on. So what was your first job then if you never went to uni?
1: Mate, my first job, I worked for my parents. They had a cafe and I was, uh, I don't think I got paid anything by the way. Uh, actually you owe me, and Dad. I, I didn't. Um, mind you, there was a bit of a ledger that I, I've i I've uh, accrued over the years yeah, and, under cool. them. So, look, it was probably waiting tables for my parents at, at this cafe. They had that for a couple of years. Since since then, um, look, I went and I was working at a zoo. Oh, wow. I've done a whole lot of stuff. Zoo? Taronga Zoo. Yeah. Um, I was serving Kona, uh, uh, ice creams and Cornettos and... Bags of chips and that <laughs> right near the, the monkey um the <laughs> yeah. monkey area. So
0: did anything really to, to make a dollar, yeah, at the oh, time.
1: Yeah. Do you mean again, my friends in the holidays, they'd go home or they'd go to the south of France or they'd go do something. I'm at Taronga Zoo trying yeah. to earn thirteen dollars fifty an hour, which I thought was a million bucks back that then. Big money back then. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um so yeah, I, I've been working since, you know, fourteen fifteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it, if it wasn't on the weekends, it was every school holidays. Yeah. pumping it through. Yeah,
0: and that's because you had to. I had
1: and, to and exactly, mate. Like, if I wanted seventy bucks to go out on a Saturday night, I had and to earn work, it, son. I had to go and earn it.
0: <laughs> and that's not a bad lesson, mate. Like seriously, exactly. my my kids work at Boost Juice just to go out or I do stuff or whatever. Yeah. And my my sixteen year old bought her own car. There like one of the proudest moments in my life. Like paid three grand for this car, but she owns it. Mm. And like she was so proud of herself because she'd saved the money, she'd done that, and I think those sort of things that uh, is what makes a difference, and Absolutely. We, which is the way we were brought up. So you mentioned your wife. Mm-hmm. How did that all happen?
1: Yeah, look, my wife and I we met uh, actually on Friday. Will be our ninth wedding anniversary. Congratulations! So looking forward to that. So thank you. Uh, we met probably twelve years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, funny story. We met and we were both dating someone at the time. But she was an expert in this particular area and I was launching a business in that area. Okay. And I was picking a brain all night. We met at a bar. She was taken, I was taken. We just had this entrepreneurial connection and she was happy to help me with, with this new startup. And um, for the next couple of months, I picked a brain on how do I go to market with this? How do I launch this? How do I do this? And she helped me. Then it, then it all went quiet for a couple, uh, maybe 12, 18 months. Okay. And then we're both single at the same time, and then things kind of happen. So that was 12, 12 years ago. Wow, mm. it's good, isn't it? And so, do you think you knew straight away? Like, no, definitely not. Oh, really? No.
0: Oh, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, when you know, I, I, uh, when I saw her, when we were both single, mm-hmm. um, that's when something happened. There was a yeah. spark there. Um, it was almost like I had blinkers on on the first.
0: Oh, well, you were in business mode. I was in business mode. <laughs> I was
1: a happily committed, man. Yeah. And um, I think both of us got to a point went, hold up. There's something here, but it started as a friendship. Yeah. And, and a, and I love that it was built that way, and because we have very strong bond. We're both. I call us co CEOs of our life and our family. Love it. I don't make a decision without her. Yep. Um, and we've always worked that way, and we always talk it through, and um. That started from a, a nice friendship first.
0: That's awesome. Man. Mm. And the same with my wife. She's my best mate. And I think that that's the way these things work. Mm. And it's highly unusual the last nine years these days. It so is. Well done. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we hit 23 this year. So oh, we're, we're doing all right. That's. Yeah, it was actually funny. It was 28 years yesterday since uh, our first date.
1: Um wow, or you can eat years. pizza
0: and terminate it too. My classy man, I am a very classy man. I
1: love it. It's great. <laughs> so
0: what was your first ever business that you created?
1: Yeah, look. When did um, you
0: realize I'm an entrepreneur? I'm gonna actually create my own thing.
1: Look, I still didn't even know what entrepreneur was when I started my first business. Um it was my father worked in a car dealership mm-hmm. and I and another mate of mine and my brother, it was actually three of us. Identify that the service department was the most profitable department of any car yard yep. or any car dealership. My my father was the general manager of a Ford dealership. We then quickly realized that if we could put together almost this, uh, these days it would be like a group on or scoop on kind oh, of yeah. model. discount voucher. Yeah, topic. discount voucher. We we did it the old school fashion. We printed out on on a a, a piece of cardboard and had on there. You get two services if you bought the card. You get an oil change. You You get a few things. So if you Mm -hmm. bought the actual physical card off us, then you'd rip it off and take it in and go, here's my discounted service thing. Very cool. So we we put that together. We used to go from street to street within a 5K radius and we used to sell it door to door. And we kept 100% of what we sold the card for. And what we realized that the car yard was very happy because every person who went in there, the average upsell was $720. Oh, wow. So every time someone walked in with a coupon, yep. they loved it because they would do a quick change of oil or quick wheel alignment or something and go, by the way, you've actually got this wrong with your car. You want to get it fixed now or do you want to book in in three months' time? Yeah, yeah. And it turned out to be a really cool model until my father was uh, had to leave that business. Okay. So through various reasons, he left and we were just on the precipice of our first exciting sort of 12 months in the business and we kind of, it all sort of shifted and we left there. But um the old door knocking um built a lot for me and, and, and helped a me learn. A lot. Great way to learn, Uh literally bootstrapping it. You know, you you charge $160 for a card, you'd have to put 60 bucks out of that aside to go print more cards yeah. and all this kind of stuff and and fuel. And we'd do it from, you know, four till eight o'clock at night and, um, yeah, really glad I figured that out and did that. Didn't make much money, yeah. but still a bit of fun. That's a learning experience. Mm. I, I take all those
0: experiences I never went to university. I did for a day, but that didn't go real well. <laughs> and then, uh, But the thing is, every one of those experiences that you've done is your education. So mm. you would have paid a ridiculous amount of money to go to university and learn something That's you'll it. never use, or you actually knock on people's doors and get like, slammed in the
1: face. You get all, all that, that sort of stuff. All that fun. But you
0: learn from everyone. That's, That's it. So I, th- I think it's amazing. So we went from the coupon business. Where mm. we go next?
1: Oh, various different things. Um, a, f- a friend and I we teamed up together and we started a business. It's called Executive Decision. We thought. Um, I actually think we were watching a movie at the time, and there was a there was a movie out called Executive Decision. We went, <laughs> you know, that's a great business name. Does, has anyone got that? Should we check that? And that was a bit of a consulting business, and um, we would go in and we would be almost like sales gun for hire. Okay. And we would go into companies and do three months there, and we would help them, you know, sell and all that. And that's. Between those times, I had jobs between those and times yeah. my my first business and my second business was two or three years apart, mm-hmm. but I figured out i could I could sell yep all right I slowly figured so it that out that was your gift uh yeah, I think so. I was able to get in there and you know articulate in a way that drove value and attention to somebody okay. and showed them a way to find a solution to their challenges yep and I used to go into companies and do three six, nine six, nine-month stints. And coming from a sales perspective. Mm -hmm. um, That's probably where the real entrepreneurial stuff started because I said, look, take me on for three months and just I'll prove it to you. Don't give me a salary, but give me a nice chunk if I bring some money in and put it on a sliding scale. Mm -hmm. I'll prove my way first. And I'd go in there, and by the end of that business, I was bringing in, you know, maybe 120 grand a quarter. Wow. Just coming in. And and that evolved almost. I then put teams into businesses. Mm -hmm. And we'd go great. You're a project. I'll bring in my crack team of experts. Yeah. And we'll give us the project, and we'll and we'll sell it, or we'll be involved in the the execution from a sales perspective. And yeah, that continued to grow, and that that's what got me starting to leverage my myself. Okay. So you know, rather than going from one house to the next house and going shit, it you know you might sell two cards in four or five hours. Yeah. Um, how can I create leverage from this? Mm-hmm. So I started getting and selling. And then I'd go, well, hold on. If I bring another dude in next to me and we both start selling and I clip a bit of his ticket, then, you know, there's a bit of leverage there. Yeah, definitely. And then by the end of it, you know, four or five staff every day and then some days you don't come in mm-hmm. and you're working on the next project and yep. they're still selling. So that was kind of that, that second journey. It was the hustle yeah. pretty much. Look, that hasn't changed, to be honest. Yeah. For me that – You still got the hunger? I do. Yeah. I do. I'm still more excited – uh, I'm probably more excited now for the opportunities and what's on the horizon than I than I ever have.
0: So, do you find now the hunger is more building the existing or still looking at what's new?
1: Um, I'm really in an exciting phase of looking for new opportunities. Okay. So the business is in a, a pretty good position yep. right now. Um, day to day, I'm still involved and in, and in still very much. In there pushing some buttons, but you know, I've created I mean, we've got 250 staff, so yeah. so that helps. But looking for new opportunities that align to our vision and mission. Okay. I mean, one of my meetings here today was six hours with some business partners around our same genre, but on a tech platform. And, you know, hopefully that'll be something that changes the world in the way it, it does it. So that's what I'm really excited to get my teeth stuck into right now is some cool Sideline projects that are still aligned to our vision and mission.
0: Okay. And you say, our is our you and your wife, are you and your no. business partners?
1: Yeah. Look, um, I've got two business partners. Okay. And, you know, two business partners/slash mentors. They've been mm-hmm. doing this. One's been doing it for 40 years and one's been doing it for about 26, 27 years. Okay. Uh, I'm a sprightly 17 years into this. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, um, they're the ones who kind of founded the business, started the business. I bought into it yep. on the journey about 11 years ago now. So, yeah, when I say we, it's not necessarily just the the other shareholders or partners either. It's we as in the 250 staff. You mean, we're all in this together. We're all trying to solve this together. Um, I try and keep as least amount of hierarchical positioning in the business, Mm -hmm. you know.
0: Do you find with 250 staff, there are obviously those entrepreneurs within that business. Mm. Are you one of those sort of companies that encourage – them to come up with an idea or concept, and then you sit there and go, "Actually, let let's do that." Is
1: very that the way you work, very much so. Mm-hmm. And I and I I released a video on Instagram the other day of positively exiting your staff, mm-hmm. and I want my staff to come in and leave and go change the world with whatever they're passionate I agree about.
0: Agree, hundred percent. Yeah, and so I'll back them to do it. That's it. That's <laughs> the same.
1: So after the first ninety days, I'll sit down with um, a staff or or some of my team. We'll identify what's most important to them. I mean, when you're in the same game I'm in, which is, you know, teaching entrepreneurs, teaching, yeah. uh, learning about success, you've got to be a product of the product. Yeah, you do. You, you can't come in and say, no, you're not allowed to have think about strategic um, ideas and concepts, and you can't have a business on the side. It just doesn't, doesn't work. Yeah. So we encourage it. Um, it creates a shorter tenure mm-hmm. in from a staff point of view because 60% of my staff will want to come in and go do their own thing eventually. Yep. But if I can give them a plan on help me show me the idea, if I can help you grow it, scale it, get to minimum viable product, even fund it, if, if that's something that's important to them, I find that they show up every day differently. Yeah, fair cool. They turn up and go, wow, Michael's helping me build this. I'm going to do everything I can to, to do my job the best I can. Mm-hmm. So I only get three to five years out of 60% of my staff, but I get a really good value out of that.
0: So the other 40%, do you do you find, I find a lot, and especially lately, that there's people are realizing now they're not actually entrepreneurs but they're really, really good, good doers. Yeah. So like the people that an entrepreneur can take mold and they actually they pretty much give them their business to run because they're really good at running the business. Yes. But they're not an entrepreneur. Yeah. And I've found recently is that I'm starting to surround myself with better doers than I used to. And so what enables me to do is step out of my businesses Gonna do it to run it and then sort of take that step up and then you can look at other opportunities.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I oh, look, I don't think there's that many entrepreneurs on the planet. Yep. I, I really don't. I think everyone wants to label themselves an entrepreneur. It's a buzzword. Oh <laughs> I'm I'm so sick of this buzzword. But look, you I mean I I think in business you've got two key areas. You've got strategy and execution. Um there's only a few people coming up with a strategy, but yep. you need a lot of executors. A lot of people think that they can play both, mm-hmm. or they can go do it themselves. Um, you mean there's a lot of people I've had to have the hard discussion to go, look, I don't believe you're an entrepreneur. And that's not from an ego point of view. Mm. It's just you're amazing at executing. And, and you need someone next to you who's got a great strategy yep. who can just align with you and partner with you, an equity partner, all that, but you're the doer, you're the executor. Um, and you need tunnel vision when you're executing. Mm-hmm. An entrepreneur is there going, We've got an outcome we want to have and we need to strategically figure out a way to get there. You know, I'm, uh, and this whole buzzword thing's really starting to piss me off because you see somebody who started four or five things, failed, and they have started the sixth thing and they say, I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. You're not an entrepreneur if you fail five different things and started five different times, right? <laughs> yeah. An entrepreneur is someone you go, shit, I've got to figure this out and figure out how do I get to the end of this? Indeed. Yeah. So, Yeah. You know, it's it's tough trying to tell someone, hey, I know you think you're an entrepreneur and with love, I'm telling you, you're amazing at this and that's where that's the lane you should be in.
0: I, I think it's interesting. So in the old days it was you had a hipster, a hacker and a hustler. Mm. I think the bit they missed was the executioner. Yeah. So because maybe when this was all the buzz, if you had added the executioner into it, you would have actually got a lot more viable businesses mm. because you've got a bloke that can do the tech bit. You've got a bloke that can hustle-ish, like sell and and the hips to make shit look pretty, mm. but you yeah, haven't got someone that actually runs the business. That's it. And that person that runs the business is probably the most important out of those four things, because oh. otherwise it's not going to be viable and not going to run.
1: Yeah, I, I think being a number four, seven, or 12 in a, an exciting business, mm-hmm. I think that's amazing. Yeah, definitely. You mean the stresses of being a number one? Mm. Um,
0: I'm the worst CEO on the
1: planet. For, <laughs> put my hand up. I'm, yep. I'm a CEO of a number of companies.
0: I'm the worst CEO on the planet. Yep. But I pride myself in the people I surround myself with that's because it. they actually execute the stuff and just tell me where I need to be and what I need to do. And I think that's the most important thing. Those people are the most important in the business.
1: Yeah. No, and, and the ego tries to tell us, oh, we're amazing, we can figure it out. I just figured out I need to get amazing people around me yeah. who, can, <laughs> who can execute. 100%. So, you know, we sometimes we take the credit for it but – There's no harm in being a number two, four, or seven guy in in a company. And if you've got the right team around you, you should get a piece of that. Mm -hmm. You should be remunerated for that. Agree. And you don't need to go out and have all the stresses of trying to start your own thing just to get a piece of something.
0: (laughs) So true. Yeah. So true. So tell obviously your most successful business is Success Resources. Mm -hmm. So. I, I read somewhere a little bit about the success resource story and how you got involved and how you were were, were trying to sell something, couldn't sell it, and you had seven days to survive and yep. and that sort of stuff. Can you tell us the 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 success story? What yeah. what, what is it?
1: Look, how did it start? Um, look, it was started well before me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just finished. Sorry, we're we're in our twenty sixth year. Wow, now, that's so, amazing
0: for a company. Well Yeah. Done.
1: No, thank you. I, I jumped on board in 2003. Mm-hmm. So I was on the phones, commission only, selling stuff, you know, programs to Tony Robbins, programs to different, Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, all these different things, right? And So they were bringing them out or you were selling just their program? Papers? They were bringing them out and I was on the phone selling them. Okay. You know, ripping out a page in the work in the, the phone book. The yellow pages? The, the white yellow, pages actually would have been, yeah. Probably the white pages. Yeah. Ripping out and going, great, you're in column U today. <laughs> it's like, shit, how am I going to do this? Look, and I, and I was horrible at the beginning. Um and for three months I made zero sales. Mm-hmm. Now when you're in commission only and you make zero sales, that's you get not a bit a, hungry, don't you? That's that's not good. Mm. Fortunately, I'd retreated back home and I was living with the parents, so I could stick it out. Yep. And there's a fine line. If I wasn't with my parents then, I wouldn't have been able to stick that out. Yeah. And who right. knows where I what trouble I would have got into in the in the future. But um my my manager and it was my first real mentor sat down and said, dude, I you know there's only a certain amount of pages in the in the white pages. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna get through them and I need someone else to call them. So he gave me seven days to figure it out. On the seventh day I made a sale. Um you remember it? Yep. I had to drive all the way to Canberra for it. <laughs> and uh did the sale, got the credit card, came back, it was a five grand sale. Yeah. The guy ended up refunding at some point. <laughs> and I was like, what? what was the sale for, Tony Robbins? No, it was a Brian Tracy program. Yeah. Uh it was all about it was you had to be a business owner earning more than 100 k Yeah. And the guarantee was we would double your income and double your time off. Okay. So we met with them four times a year. Mm-hmm. They met for a weekend every quarter. Brian Tracy would come back from America to Australia, sit down with all the business owners. One of the best programs I can ever remember. Yeah. And I remember sitting through it. And anyway, this guy, um, it didn't work for him on the second quarter or something like that and we ended up giving him his money back. But it's a funny story because I had to figure out how to – Properly sell. I had to figure out um, selling a five grand intangible product
0: on that's a random to,
1: phone call. On a random phone yeah. call, that's going to get a return on investment in two or three years if they implement the stuff. Yeah, it's a tough sell. It certainly is. So I had to figure that out. and You had to learn and adapt and and do that. And I so figured day out.
0: seven you made the you made the sale. You went back yeah. and told your boss. Told there it is. Do
1: it. I remember walking in. <laughs> I was so happy. He's like, what? He's just like, there's no way I thought you were going to make it. <laughs> and I walked in. I had to drive all the way to Canberra to get the signature yep. and, the, and the credit card and all that. And I got there, came back, and I don't think I did anything for the next three or four days. I was on such a buzz. <laughs> Didn't make a call. But he, he said, look, you got to start learning, educating yourself, reading more books, doing things. Back then it was tapes. Yep. So uh, I, I got a few tapes out of the library somewhere in the office there. Started putting it in the car on the way to the office every day and slowly started to develop myself.
0: And do you remember who that was you were listening to back then in an, an yep. 03?
1: It was Jay Abraham. Okay. So Jay Abraham is one of the I suppose forefathers of of marketing and, and those and, and marketing educa- education around yep. marketing. And he had this interview with Tony Robbins. It was called a Power Talk Tony Robbins and Jay Abraham. I, I would have listened to that tape, I'm saying 200 plus times. Wow still I go back and listen to it every now and then. Some of the way that my strategy unfolds in business still to this day comes from that tape. the art of joint ventures, strategic yeah. partnerships, alliances, um, looking for who has your potential client base. Mm-hmm. And rather than going and starting in at the bottom and going and, and, go and trying to market for that, if I can find a, a non-competing business who has that same clientele and they've got 5,000 clients, why can't I do a deal with them? 100%. And a, and, and a you know, a a cross-pollination deal, and geez, it served me well since then.
0: Isn't it amazing? You remember the first one? Mine was Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yep. Um, That changed my life. And the thing is, I gave it to my wife. She read it and has going, oh, that makes sense. Mm. And she's not entrepreneurial at all. Mm. Like she was the academic and she was the legals and all that sort of stuff. And she read the book, and we both from there just went, okay, let's change our lives. And
1: it's great, that it.
0: was the that was the, the book. So I've listened to that probably two or three hundred times, as, as well yeah. as an Audible, just just to sort of remember. Oh, actually, it's that. This, yeah, it's
1: no, that. I love Robert, and we've had a great relationship. Well, um, that, that's
0: the other thing is like, so yeah, you you buy into the business. Mm. How did you get that opportunity? Uh, just making enough money, making the sales. And no, no, or it, you had a crack,
1: mate. It was. Um, I left and 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 ran another business since then. Mm-hmm. So I thought I knew it all. By 24, I thought I knew it all. Oh, yeah. I was 18 months into that business <laughs> and I started promoting a speaker. Okay. And I did a deal and made seven figures in a very short amount of time and thought, how good am I? I'm amazing. I figured this thing I'm out. I'm the king. I'm, I'm the 24. king. 24, Woo. living in a penthouse in a nice part of Sydney, <laughs> cars, those silly things. And then my only revenue stream, my only partner had a heart attack. Oops. And my revenue stopped instantly because he wasn't coming back out. Mm. So then I tried a whole heap of things. I still had this ego component thriving through my body. I was like, well, I've done it in the past. I can do this several times. Yeah. So I tried all, everything. I did a uh, perfume distribution business. I was the number two guy on an energy drink mm-hmm. uh, where we lost $2 million and ended up losing on that one. Um, I, I tried a whole heap of stuff. I bought a nightclub and realized that I had some bikies as uh, um, silent partners. Yes. And I didn't know that at the time. Oops. And we figured that one out. <laughs> and you quickly exit out of that one. And then, look, the thing that kept happening is my now business partner kept ringing me going, dude, come back and let's do some stuff. And, you know, I need – so He I kept his an, eye on
0: you. He did. He'd reach yeah. out.
1: Maybe every six months going, come back, let's do some stuff. And it was a Robert Kiyosaki event in Sydney 2009 in May. Okay. And he said, come back and do one little tour with me. I did that and the first month I made 25 grand. Mm. And I thought, shit, money hasn't flowed like this effortlessly and having a bit of fun – for a long time, maybe I'll stick this out and have a little go at it. The next two or three months, uh, I did really well and I made a lot of money, and so much so that my business partner went, "We need to audit these numbers. Something's wrong. He's trying to rip <laughs> it. He's trying to rip us off. He's rottin us." Yeah. And, and and I didn't know that till years after actually. Well, yeah. But I kind of went, mate. I think maybe this is where I'll spend some of my time. You I mean, my wife was funding me at the time because yep. I we. You got I'd, married by then? No, just after that in twenty ten. But I'd lost a bit of money, and my wife was funding us, and you know that doesn't feel good as a as a bloke. Mm. And anyway, so I made a bit of money, and I came back, walked into his office, said, "Mate, if I'm gonna really stick around, I wanna, I need to be at at the right end of the table." Mm-hmm. And he said, "All right, let's figure that out." Within eighteen months, I put six hundred grand into the business, mm-hmm. so I'd earned three hundred of that, yep. and a life, and having a, a life, and I borrowed three hundred, and I put it all in, and I. I threw everything on, into the business. And was the uh,
0: wife happy about that? Was she nervous? What, what was her sort of thoughts on the She truly that?
1: believed that, that I could make it work. Okay. Truly believed it. And, you know, I was bringing in 20, 30 grand a month mm-hmm. by that stage, putting some money away, paying some backmarkers, as, as we have to as entrepreneurs. Yep, of course. And then uh, put 300 in, borrowed 300, took a nice chunk of the business, and I thought my business partner, and that was the plan. He was going to phase out. Okay. I thought I'd have this great business. It'll be, you know, eight million to ten million a year. And you know, it's 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 not a, it's not a high profit margin. Yep. You know, you're doing ten to fifteen percent on a really good year. Mm. Still enough as a young guy to to make some money. Then the success resources component came in. So that was actually a company out of Singapore. Oh, okay. And we had the a sister one. relationship. Yep. So every time we brought Tony around, we'd go, Hey, do you want him to come? Singapore on the way home, and he'd do the same on Kiyosaki. Okay, and we had this great relationship that we, we'd always help each other out. Anyway, fast forward to 2012, just after I got into the business, everything's great. You know, you, you know, you've got some cash flow. You're playing with the cash flow. You know, doing deals because yeah. it's in there. We decided to merge, and now we had success resources as the brand. Yep, Sydney office and the Singapore office. But then all of a sudden, there goes access to cash flow. There goes bank accounts and having a bit of fun and doing things, right? And structure, it's called. Structure. Yeah, we probably needed it. Yeah. But we were investing in silly things, and, you know, different deals and opportunities. And, and as two business owners in doing that and with a good cash business, you do that. Yeah, of course. And then we scaled and then we said, well, hold up. Let's ring Tony. Let's ring a few people and just let them know that we're going to do some other cool stuff. And we have this plan to go through Asia and then maybe go to America and the UK and all this kind of stuff. Within 18 months, we had 150 staff in 10 offices. Wow. So that went pretty Scaled quick. Scaled quickly. We did. And in my game, it was easy to scale quickly. It's easier, to be honest, because it's hard getting an expert to come just to Australia for a trip. Yeah. Being put but on a world tour. It makes a big difference. You do on a world tour. Um, that's very exciting to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But then you need talent, staff, systems. And all of a sudden now you go from 8 million a year to forty five to sixty you're in the big leagues now. In the in the decent leagues, but, mm. but still on systems for an eight million dollar business. Okay. So we had to learn that we had to implement heartache, headaches, everything. Mm-hmm. You know, people stealing money from the business. Everything you can think of, being sued, you know, going to regions like Africa. And if you don't understand how to do business in Africa, you're gonna you're gonna be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. So we, we figured out every region the absolute hardest way.
0: Mm-hmm
1: But we figured it out slowly and, you know, we've got great teams around the world now and fortunately we we do 500 events. There'll be 10 this week somewhere in the planet. Wow. And I'm here on the Gold Coast with you. That's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, it's, you know, it's still difficult, still hard. Still people trying to have a crack at you and every day is a challenge. But it's a little bit easier when there's a bit of money coming in and and you're getting recognised for the work you're doing. It helps. Have you ever had the thought of being on the other side of the microphone? Definitely not. Oh really? I don't Why want, is that? It's just not what I'm passionate about. Okay. I really, I, I'm under no illusion that I've got to continue to grow my brand in conjunction with the SR brand. Yeah, of course. Because people want to see and feel who's behind mm-hmm. it. But I keep getting asked, "Do you want to speak and do on stage?" And I'm like, "I really don't." I, I think my value is 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 I'm a I'm a bit of a deal maker. I love finding someone who's got a great message, mm-hmm. linking it with an audience who. Want to hear the message want to hear the message? <laughs> Put the deal together that way. Um, I love being on the other side of the the curtain. yep, I'd rather be backstage while people are you know on stage, so that's just kind of where I prefer to be.
0: So being backstage with these guys, like guys like gary v and and Tony Robbins and all that sort mm. of stuff, do you literally sit down and learn from them whilst they're there? like oh, yeah. are you are you getting like a a one to one Conversation with these guys and actually rubbing off on your type stuff.
1: Yeah, look, you I mean I've been I've known uh Robert Kiyosaki now for you know, probably eleven years. Okay. So there's a good relationship there. Yeah. Um Tony Robbins for sixteen years. Yeah. Um, more recently Gary V, Grant Cardone. And yeah, there's definitely elements where you sit down and and you and you learn and you listen and you speak when you know it's the right time. But I'm fortunate at the moment where, you know, we've built a pretty good little business and we're we're attracting people who are, you know, that we're still learning from, mm-hmm. but we're partnering on things. Okay. Do you mean, we're very collaborative. A lot of the people that – So you're you doing see, deals with these guys? We're doing lots of deals with these guys. That's awesome. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, if you're going to be a business partner, you can't always be the student either. Yes. But in my early days, I'd be there going, hey, Robert – what would you do in your business if you had this kind of challenge? And I'd be at the back, just going documenting that. Going, <laughs> yeah. okay, I got to write that down. So there's still an element of learning now, and and by no means do I believe I've made it to a part where the learning stops. I learn every day. Yep. I'm doing podcasts, listening to podcasts, watching videos every single day. Um, but it is cool to be backstage with someone like that. You I mean I got Sir Richard Branson coming out in uh, in November?
0: So how does that happen? How how do you get
1: like these guys, because there's obviously a lot
0: of people that hopefully will listen to this and think, wow, what we're we talking about Gary Vee, Robert Kiyosaki, Tony Robbins, mm-hmm. Sir Richard Branson. We're talking about billionaires and multi-multi-millionaires here. I have two questions. The first one is why do they do it still? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second one is how the fuck do you
1: get them? Yeah. Look, it's it's much easier now than it yeah. used to be. Um, they do it because they've genuinely got a passion to give back and help. Okay. So it's them
0: giving back as yeah. opposed to you paying them a shitload of money to travel around the world.
1: Yeah, trust me, the money is not big enough to, you know, for a billionaire to go, I'm going to leave my island yeah. and come all the way to and Australia do and do that. Commercially, yeah. it doesn't make sense. Oh, of course not. Um, I mean the interest alone on their net worth, you know, paid monthly mm. would be completely trump when I'm paying them. Yeah. So a lot of them do it because they truly want to give back. Some of them I need to get really strategic and go, they've got to come to Australia. So it's like, hey, when you're next coming to Australia, how about I pay for your trip? Okay. And you get a bit strategic like that. Um, Tony Robbins, for instance, he's 40 years into this journey. Um, how old is he now? Uh, 61. Wow. 62 maybe. He's a massive human. Massive human. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, we just had him in Singapore on the weekend for 8,000 people. Yeah. He'll be here in Australia in two weeks' time. Um, He just came from, we did Dubai, we did Brazil, and after Sydney we go to Israel. Wow. So – Trust me, that guy has a $75 million jet. Yeah. Um, he does not need to do it for money. Yes. He just sold a business in the last couple of weeks and he made net after the transaction $100 million. These guys do it because they really, really enjoy it, really love it and it's part of their mission. Then there's other guys that are guns for hire where Branson, for example, he'll come out and, you know, again, we've built up a relationship with him but even if I don't have a relationship, our brand now opens a lot of doors. Yeah, of course. And that helps, you know, 26 years into something, you'd, you'd hope you've built a brand and yeah. people recognize it. So when I knock on someone's door, I may not get an answer the first time, but eventually I'll, You'll
0: I'll, keep find, knocking a way, yes. I'll find a way, <laughs> whether it's my
1: foot through the door or, yeah. or something. But, um, yeah, I've just got to find people who are passionate about giving back. Okay. That's, that's usually the biggest driver. Yeah. Um, not everyone wants to give back though. No, of course. There's plenty of people I talk to. Like, no, nah, mate, I don't, I'm not interested in that. Oh yeah. But I'm like, cool. That's just not for you. Thanks
0: anyway. Yeah. So, are you out there still hustling, finding new every day, new people to That's, come and speak and do all that sort of stuff?
1: Oh yeah. Do you mean I go to the US every three months just to connect with talent that I may not have on stage for another two years? Okay. So, and you
0: obviously get leads off the guys you're already talking
1: to, and yeah. and they if, introduce if you. They, if they know someone of. I want, yeah, it's. It's easy. It's, yeah, easy. it's, it's getting fun. easier.
0: Yeah. A warm entry is easier than knocking on someone's door. Yeah.
1: Mind you, there's some levels of Hollywood at the moment where I'm knocking on plenty of doors and getting nothing. Really? Yeah. And and then you've got you to figure out your change of strategy, right? Mm-hmm. And there's certain celebrities where they've got agents, managers, pseudo-managers, people who think they're managers but they're <laughs> brothers of friends of them. And you are going to think, how the hell do I get past all these people? Yeah. And then you figure out, well, hold up. Most of these guys now have companies production companies and and little entities that hold all their different things. And you find who's running that? Who's the president of that? That'd be the fun part for you though, wouldn't it? It
0: is. (laughs) (laughs) You can see you get passionate about that piece. It's like,
1: I'm going to get there. And no matter what,
0: I'm going to make him get on my stage. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And then you finally get through to the president and he goes, I like your idea. I love this. you got 15 minutes to pitch me and be in the office tomorrow. Yeah. And you're like, shit, I need to get on a plane from Sydney. And you get there for fifteen minutes, and that turns into five hours, and then you end up doing a deal with someone like that. So, Hollywood and talent and celebrities is it's a whole different ballgame. You know, there is no window of opportunity. You need to find a way to crowbar yourself yeah. in, and if you do, you might get seven minutes. And you need to be able to articulate really quickly what's in it for them, how they can do it, and why it's going to work. So, yeah, you figure that stuff out. And that's still the art of the kill and the drive for me. Is I don't get on the phone and sell much anymore. Yeah, but. Sometimes I've got a couple of minutes on a phone or I've got to meet them in a, in a stairwell yeah. and go, mate, do you want to change some lives and make a couple of hundred million dollars while we do it? Okay, cool. You've got my intention. Yeah. Walk with me.
0: Let's walk and talk. Yeah.
1: So you figure it out. So a couple of questions
0: for you. Who's the person or the people who have the greatest sort of influence on your life?
1: Look, apart from wife and kids, they're my absolute drive mm-hmm. for everything I do, Um I mean, there's, there's mentors around me who have done amazing things. Um, is there one person you can pinpoint that actually that it, that person's had the biggest influence on me? Yeah, probably my business partner, Michael Burnett. Okay. Yeah. you mean, I've known him for 17 years now. We've been through some ups and downs. I tell yeah. I'll tell you what. Um, but this is a guy who, you know, he, he's been in this game for 40 years. Wow. Back when it was tough. Like you were selling CDs and coming out with, you know i mean we know our business model is quite extensive now yeah. we have got back ends and a long tail and funnels and all this back then is you used to put an ad in the paper hope people turn up and then you try and sell them a cd off the back of the And that needs, and that needs to pay for the room and all that kind yeah, of stuff yeah. so yeah probably michael's been probably the greatest influence from me from a a business mentoring and you know we're all still in the business driving hard today so it's great
0: and what about achievement what's your
1: biggest achievement that you've personally had in life Um, ah, there's there's a few and it's going to sound a little bit odd but probably my daughter yeah you mean we my wife and I had 10 miscarriages between my son and my daughter um so many times we wanted to give up but we always wanted to have a a family and our family looked like two kids and me and my wife um my wife went through hell for that and we committed we stayed true um And that was probably the greatest achievement um, because we just didn't give up. We just kept kept going. And look, there's been a lot of business stuff and cool stuff along the way. But, you know, if I look back, the thing that, you know, I'm so proud of is that we stuck true to something that we wanted from a family point of view. Um, The deals will come and go. Of course they will. I mean, the sale that you didn't think you would get. The feeling when you
0: get that child for the first time in your hands and go, Holy crap! Like yeah. we created this. It's, yeah, yeah. There's nothing better. No, it's so.
1: um, it's it's amazing. I had some quick fire questions for you. Favorite food? Japanese. What sort? Oh, I just love sushi and sashimi and kingfish. T- King oh, uh, I love it. Favorite song? I don't have have to. there be one. Ah, oh, it's got to be one. We are the champions. Good song. Yeah. Favorite place in the world? Sydney.
0: Sydney really? Yeah.
1: Okay, why is that? Look, I could probably live anywhere with my role right now. Mm. I just love it and and in Sydney it's it's almost like I can see and feel it's got New York, LA style French Riviera in some parts. It's it's a lot of the cool places around the world it's almost in this one little city in Australia and Sydney. I couldn't I couldn't live anywhere else. Okay. I just love it there. What's next? Made so much more to go, yeah. so much more to do. Um,
0: in SR or separate SR. Everywhere.
1: Okay. But it, within SR, um, you know, go into a whole new digital platform so people can live stream, tap into events all around the world. You Don't need to leave your you know, the lounge. Leave the lounge. <laughs> um, there's that. I just started a charity arm of the business. You know, our aim is, well, next year from January, a dollar from every ticket will go to some local charities in all of the regions around the world. Awesome. we don't make we don't take a cent from that we fund everything ourselves and 100 of the not the proceeds 100 of the money goes straight to local charities um, and my aim is to get 25 percent of my time is invested in in helping that business and, yep. and growing that and and helping solve some problems
0: right that's amazing
1: well thanks so much for your time
0: I really really appreciate it and mate, as far as I'm concerned you're an awesome human thanks <laughs> thank thanks you very coming. much Appreciate
1: Cheers,
0: it. Cheers, buddy. Thanks, mate. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. And what an amazing human. Don't forget to hit us up on all the social channels at BJ BJMacker and look out for more Meteorite podcasts.